You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. And welcome everybody to the 100th episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. And joining me this week, I have... Alex France from uh, fontbundles.net and designbundles.net, who I've mentioned on the show before. I have Mark. Hello, Mark. Hello. Well, episode 100, couldn't sort of uh, not make an appearance for that. And today I'm accompanied by a wasp that seems to be stalking me. So <laughs> y- you might hear me running around a little bit. <laughs> if we hear some crashing, we know what it is. And uh, somewhere here, we should have Donnie, but he keeps dropping the connection. Uh, so anyway, uh, Alex, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, and how are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I feel very privileged to be on your hundredth show. <laughs> well, there you go. That's, uh, yeah, p- pure coincidence really, but somebody had to have the hundredth show and you drew the short straw, it seems. <laughs> uh, right. Well, Alex, would you like to tell the listeners, uh, what font bundles and design bundles is all about? Yes, yeah, so so basically, font bundles and design bundles are online marketplaces. We connect buyers and sellers of digital items together, and um, we we've got a slight difference from other sites, though, because we've got a very easy to read and understand license. So we give buyers a very easy and hassle free way to buy maybe fonts or design templates which they require, just to allow them to do their job easier and quicker. Um, and we have great prices and one of the things which we also do as well as the marketplace that we have is we bundle together a lot of products generally around 30 to 50 products and we we have them at a reduced price around 90 to 98 percent off depending on on the size of the bundle so it's a really great way for designers to be able to you know stock up on products for a number of their new projects that they were either working on whether it's just for themselves or maybe professional designers like yourself, for instance, who, who works on clients and, and you may need a bunch of fonts for a new project that you're doing and you can buy them all in one thing for a reduced price. Yeah. I mean, I am uh, I am a member of the uh, both the uh, font bundles and design bundles. Uh, I, I have to say I've, I've very rarely bought anything, but uh, I was lured in, of course, by your weekly freebies, which are always nice. Um, yes, we we do um, we do a weekly freebie on each website. Uh, for the fonts, it's every Wednesday, and for the designs, it's every Friday. So we we give away a free product every week, which comes with a full premium license, which allows commercial use or anything else that's um, allowed by our normal licenses if you purchase a product. So uh, a lot of, we get a lot of users who come in every week to download the latest products that we're giving away, and we're not just giving away rubbish. It's literally oh, no. some of the most popular popular fonts or designs that are given away each week i can vouch for that i can vouch for that it's definitely not your uh oh here is some you know rubbishy cheap font that uh doesn't work properly and isn't spaced right and all the rest they are you know good quality uh professional level 
response, as you'd expect. Uh, and, uh, you know, usually a selection, it might be um, the design uh, assets range, don't they, from, you know, uh, well, you have a, a variety of things. Sometimes you have cutting um, forms, SVGs and, and DXFs and... and uh, Yes, the, the SVGs recently have become really popular. We've been seeing with, with the the advent of machines which are coming across, like the Silhouette machine. They've, it's become a very popular category, and it's it's constantly growing. So we, we've had so many requests of people wanting those types of products, it, and it's one thing that we've been really looking towards and working towards as well for to try and expand that that collection of products that we have to give them what they need. And uh, so it is going to be interesting as that as that area develops because these machines are now available for about two hundred pounds or something, and it gives you essentially a full commercial use cutting machine that you can use at home, whether you're just an amateur or whether you're actually doing it for a business. Um, a lot of these people sell in small shops and maybe on websites like Etsy, where you can make your own crafts at home and then sell to to customers anywhere in the world, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. And um, you know, uh, I notice often, obviously, on the page with uh, the items, there, there's often some examples. You know, I've seen things like uh, you know, examples of t-shirts or mugs or, or anything else made with the uh, with the design assets. Uh, so, would you like to um, maybe talk us through how you came, you know, came to be doing such a thing? Yeah. So it's been it's been a long road, really. We. We originally started, me and one of my other co-founders, who's got Jeff, there's the three of us in total, me, Jeff, and uh, one of one of our past clients called Andy. We I met Jeff at, at university and we were doing very similar courses, which was all around design and and like development, basically. I was the development side, Jeff is a designer, and through uni was gaining experience. We worked on a lot of websites for businesses, making and selling online. So we, we always had a a passion for online commerce. One of the first businesses we did was actually selling t-shirts. Um, so we, we, we've we always wanted to set up little things. So we, we created a business where we would sell t-shirts to the people who were at our university. And also we, we tried expanding further by selling through forums and stuff like that. So that gave us a really good introduction into one, how to make the website for, for people and how it should work. And we learned a lot from that. And over the years at, at university, I think it was our second or third year, we set up a, a development company, me and Jeff, and we we started to get bigger and bigger clients. And one of our clients, maybe after two or three years, was was Andy. Uh, and it was it was a huge website that we worked on that we worked on for for many years. And we we eventually ended up getting a percentage in, in the company with him because we were constantly working and we really liked his work and believed in what he was doing. And from that point, we basically became good friends. And we, we've we always had the experience with design marketplaces ourselves, using them at university to, for clients. We were buying certain things through Envato and, and other, other people like that. But we didn't see any any difference. So from, from like 2009 until now, Envato has definitely improved a lot of things, but there hasn't been really any huge leaps in their, in their website. So it was just one thing that we were always interested in and wanted to go into. And we, we set up at the end of 2015 and we, we started with Fontbunner's Marketplace. So there was me, I, I was doing the development, Jeff was doing the design and, we, and Andy is brilliant at the customer service and marketing. So we, we worked well as a team of three. And from there, we were able to build it up. We st- we focused on fonts first. And after after that, got some traction and we started to get a community together. We then 
we then heard people, you know, wanting more, more things than just fonts. They wanted the other designs. So then we expanded into design bundles. And from that point, it's just, it's just been getting bigger and bigger. And one of the things that we really focus on is our community spirit. So we really like people to be, you know, enjoy what we do. It's not just about us selling to them. And that's, that's the end of the if you look on our like our Facebook pages and we have lots of groups, there's so much communication between us who are inside the company and also our customers. We we have a real good, you know, good relationship with them and we like to have it it's not a very you know, it's not a corporate feeling. We we like to be friendly and work with them. If they've got ideas of what they want us to be doing, want us to be selling, they have a direct line to any of the people who are, you know, the the directors in the company and we, we then, you know, take on, on those on board those things. And look what we can do to to improve the website to, to cater to their needs. Yeah, well, that, that's very nice. And um, I, I'm guessing if you you know if you have that kind of community spirit amongst your you know users and providers, that um, to some extent, sometimes the customers are actually inspiring the, the creators because if they say, oh, well, I, you know, I I could really do with I don't know you know a, a bunch of floral patterns done in a certain style, you know, that one of the creators might pick up on that and say, well, I can do that. You know, um, yeah, exactly. Nice. It wasn't. It wasn't many years ago when we were on their side of the, you know, of the situation. We we were using other companies which are effectively were doing a similar thing as us, but they were they were very corporate and and maybe aimed at big design companies. Whereas whereas I feel we we we've got those products as well, but because of our community side, we we were bringing more people into into this market and allowing people from crafters. You know, not to feel intimidated by these high, huge products. If it's a PSD, for instance, which requires loads of, you know, plug- plugins or, or whatever, whatever is involved in Photoshop, a lot of people can get intimidated. So we we, we like to cater to all levels as well. And, and we, we have a lot of tutorials. We have a thing called Design School, which is basically like helping people learn how to how to start design. So we start them on the journey and then provide those tools for them to not only go from beginner, but to intermediate and then advanced and become a company themselves if they wanted. So we, we have all all levels of that. And as you say, we've we've people saying like I need this. We we have a, a community on it on Facebook as well, which is of the designers that are actually in our website. So we have around three to four thousand stores and a lot of those are in this group. So we're always providing the latest trends, whether it's search trends or whether it's things that we've heard on Facebook of a lot of people saying they want. And we'll put them in there and say, guys, do you know, these products are wanted or whatever. Or if we're building new bundles, like recently, we've been looking towards Christmas because a lot of people want to start getting their Christmas products made and stuff. (laughs) So we've been telling designers, this is the perfect time for you now to start working on those. And then, you know, you can start selling. So we're trying to help both sides of the community. So not not only provide customers with what they need, but also help the designers of what we're seeing in the latest trends and get them to be, you know, creating those products so then they can sell more themselves. Yep, you're definitely right because now, uh, you know, in my trade and obviously in your trade, now is the time to get started for Christmas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're getting customers coming to us now, started saying, well, I need to think about my Christmas cards. I need to think about my calendar, you know, corporate gifts. So, yeah, exactly. You, you when, are... when you've got things like the, the actual physical items that have to be made, there's obviously a, a time delay there and you really need to get things planned earlier. So the, the designing is basically six months before almost in, in some of the, the events. Um, so now is like the prime time where people are working on their, their Christmas products. Definitely. And um, 
uh, yeah, one of the things that I enjoy, obviously, from uh, you know from your site, is that it is a very broad church. I mean, you know, there are things like uh, uh, one that I downloaded uh, was the it was a bunch of um, icons, sets of icons, and uh, you know that came with with all the uh, relevant files. So there were EPS files for print. There were uh, you know PNG files for using on the web. There were uh, there were files for, you know, making mock-ups for, uh, you know, uh, iOS devices and so on. So, uh, and, and it ranges from that. And then, you know, at the other end, there are things sometimes, um, you know, I don't know, cute unicorn cartoons or, you know, a, a huge, a huge range. Which is Yeah, which there's, is there's a huge range from for professionals to also, as you say, the unicorn, which is like um, for, for like children or, or th- people who are making, you know, nice bright colors things for, for the children maybe they do at home on a weekend when they're with the the children with the grandparents something like that it's something that they can interact with and give them a real early introduction to to design so we, we see a lot of a lot of that going on as well and as you said there is a big range and it's always growing we've we're having around 500 to a thousand products uploaded to our websites every day so that's that, that inventory that we have is just getting bigger and bigger all the time no oh, well that's that's excellent and um as uh, you know, everybody should know by now. If you want to sign up uh, with Alex's designbundles.net or fontbundles.net, simply go to those sites and uh, sign on. And yeah, uh, if, if you sign up for one, you get signed up for both of them. Basically, they're they're interlinked completely. So if you purchase on one site and then say go to you purchase on design bundles and then go to font bundles, it's exactly the same. I mean, you can get your downloads in the same place. You will already be logged in and everything, so they're very integrated. Excellent. And um, in case anybody listening would like to, uh, you know, get in touch with you, maybe with a view to putting their products, uh, you know, t- to you, how would they go about that, Alex? They could either contact us directly through the website. Uh, We've got like an email form on the bottom left, which they can click on. Or we also have a crate store. Uh, And on there, it's basically just a sign-up form. You go through, you fill everything out, you put in your portfolio, so then we can see what products you're making. And once once you've registered and everything, we, we then look at that internally and we'll be in touch with, with the designer and go from there. If they're accepted or if they declined, for instance, we'll give them a reason why they declined and maybe they can focus on that area to improve it and come back with different products which, which maybe fit our websites better, for instance, and then get accepted later on, if that's the case. Very good, because I know um, Donny, uh, can you hear me, Donny? I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Donny uh, produces uh, a lot of sticker packs for iOS, um, but uh, they, I, I think they would be quite suitable because um, they're sort of cartoony doodles, a lot of them. I, I think I'm, they I'm would... already thinking that in that direction. They would be, you know, I think they're very much the sort of things that uh, sometimes, you know, turn up on the design uh, bundles assets. So uh, I think Donnie would be interested in talking to you about that, uh, Alex. I've been setting up the store as you've been talking. Oh, there we Perfect. go. We definitely communicate about that after this, after this then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, do you, do you have like um, some sites say um, if you put something on our site, you can't put it anywhere else, like exclusivity um agreements do you have anything like that that's another thing that we we wanted to to not do basically a lot of sites are very limited and fair enough if, if that's the way the way they want to be that, that's what they can do but for us we like the community thing so if you want to sell with us brilliant you know we're not restricting you selling anywhere else at all so you're more than welcome to list on any other websites 
basically our job is to do a better job than anybody else so we can sell your products for you and you know you can list also other places because at the end of the day as a designer you want to be getting your name in as many places as you can so people can hear about you and, and want to buy or use your work so fr from that that regard we, we want people to be able to you know list on different places as well not not just be limited to, to our website good that's excellent that's excellent because uh that is you know uh for people getting started or people who are uh you know smaller companies or small studios or, or even one-man bands uh it's the same thing it's the same problem of course that we've uh discussed before when we're talking about um making apps for ios you know make it making your making your app is the is the easy part the hard part is getting it out there and recognized and getting your name known so that people will actually <laughs> come and look for your apps so there we go yeah it's definitely the, the most difficult part and that's one of the things that we take on as well we, we're we do the marketing for you now that doesn't mean that you know the designers it's it's no good to do nothing they they do a lot of marketing themselves but we we actively work a lot with we've, we've adverts all across the web and, and try and sell products especially if someone's come come onto our website looks at a few products we, we will retarget them and really try and push the designers products to them as well um so we obviously we we're only going to going to make any money if we we sell your product so our biggest aim is is almost to be a marketing company as well so we we're doing both sides and we're providing the service for the for for the customers but also for the designers as well we're, we're marketing your products and trying to sell them to as many people as possible yeah well i mean i obviously i know because i get your emails and they're they're not intrusive but they will be you know here, here's the wednesday list say of uh you know new product or exciting interesting product or um sometimes you have focuses don't you you know oh the craft week or whatever and uh yeah we, we try and mix it up and bring also new artists or new designers that maybe have have gone under you know they've not been noticed enough they've got great products but for some reason they they just haven't ever featured you know highly on, on something so we try and promote them as well uh, it's one thing that we've been doing a lot on facebook on our on our pages and our groups every week we, we try and like post some person's new products that you know maybe no one's ever seen before so it's trying to introduce new artists as you say which is the hardest thing for for someone to start off you you've got no audience at all you may make some of the best products around but nobody's heard of you so no you haven't got that traction so we, we're trying to introduce the you know people to these new products and and expand their their audiences by doing that yeah excellent and very good so okay i've got another question for you um so from what i'm looking at on the website it looks like you can sell something with as little as one image or as many as no unlimited i'm guessing like you don't have to have, there's no minimum like five images in a pack from what I'm seeing, so I'm looking at the photo photography section, and it looks like there's just like one photograph for sale for some by some people. Exactly, yeah. So for photographers, you, you can upload just one image. Say if you took a picture of, of a nice scenery, a landscape, or something, you can sell that one that one uh, photograph. But we we do find that if if you own a pack of photography, for instance, it's generally best to include five to ten at least. Um, people may may buy the one if it's very specific to to what they need but we, we do find bigger packs work well um though obviously for the fonts it's always going to be a single font so the single fonts do do sell incredibly well and it, it gives it gives the the customer the choice between what they want whether they want to buy a pack from a designer or whether they want to buy individually which which would be cheaper but it gives them less options if you will yeah 
Well, of course, the thing with typography, um, as I know from from my job, you know, font. Um, when you're when you're doing a job, often you think I need a font and I need it to be, you know, in your mind you can see the sort of font that you want. So, uh, particularly when you're looking for display fonts, you know, that's great because you you own, you don't want to have to buy a pack of ten fonts. Um, if you only want a specific type of font, so uh, you know that's that's often very good. Of course, if you if you like somebody's work, it's great that you do these bundles as well, because I know you you know you constantly uh, you know have bundles and uh, well give, almost giveaway prices. To be honest, Alex, aren't they? Some of the ones when you do like you know the crafters pack of fonts, and there might be I don't know twenty five or fifty fonts, and the, and you know the prices are pennies really. Yeah, the, the, like some of the packs that we have, basically like thirty to fifty products, and it's the same price as maybe three or four of the fonts uh, alone. So it's it gives you such a wide variety of of things, and especially if you're going to be working on a number, say for Christmas, for instance, you're going to be working on a number of projects. You can buy this pack and save a, a ton of money and get all these commercial use products straight away, and you don't have to worry about you know what buying individual licenses for all. It comes with an easy to understand license of what you can do with the products and we also offer two licenses so we have the the premium license which pretty much covers everybody unless you're a huge corporation and then we, we have something called our corporate license which if you're going to have say more than five people using your, the, the the products internally in your company you, you're going to need a big license that allows all of the your employees to work with, with those products so we we sell that for for companies who big design agencies basically so we have not only people for uh not only a license for people who are just you know one one man bands we, we have huge corporate corporations as well who who will purchase for us excellent and uh, of so course all on the uh when you set up an item you kind of help out with the pricing for that so like if you don't um know how to price it for corporate you have a suggested price to follow along with yeah we we, we set prices and we also set minimum prices on our on our products because we we found a lot of a lot of people were basically just trying to undercut the the whole industry, and it for for the designers it was becoming almost just giveaway. They, they were making no money, and it was impossible for for people to to live off that work. So we we like to set minimum prices on the products because you, you've you know it, it's incredible work that some of these people do, and it's not just a product that can be given away for for two two cent or you know like some of the websites we're doing. So we we have we, we give away. Um, what one product a week basically for each site we have a number of freebies but apart from that is we've got the marketplace which is huge premium products and then then the bundles that we we release and, and last for a month that are at the reduced prices and i i um you know i'm always keen to to promote uh things that you know spread spread people's work and i'm also you know i'm i really like the fact that that your site is a great way for beginners or or people at home you know, to build up a library of quality um, assets, but, you know, without having to spend a vast sum of money. I mean, um, we we often come across jobs um, in my trade and particularly things that come from design agencies. They they will do jobs and they, they will they will go to these uh, sites like, um, you know, font foundries that are, are very exclusive and um uh Hoffler and Fleur and people like that who uh you know their fonts are like a hundred dollars a face and uh design agencies like to use that because then they're showing off really and <laughs> also they're like you can't copy this design because we used a font that cost you know, two hundred dollars but uh that's not most of us is it that's that's not um 
you know, that's not your workaday print company. That's not your um, average design studio. And it's certainly not um, viable for crafters and uh, non-profits and people like schools, you know. Um, and I'm exactly, people, we, you know, so we, we have a range. We have some of those. We we have some of those high high end, you know, products on our website, which are over two hundred dollars. But we we have a lot of the the script fonts or the the, the lower fonts, which are, are much better priced. The, the difference between the the premium professional ones is generally if the two hundred plus dollars, for instance, they they come with a big family of fonts, so you have lots of different weights and a huge amount of extras that come in the font as well. Oh yeah. Where, where whereas the the other fonts are generally one or two weights, um, but it, that that's just what the people need. Like if if you're a crafter, for instance, you're looking for a style, and if you see a style of font that you know that you like, you don't need ten different weights of that font. You just need the the one style which you can which you can purchase. So for the the lower price, it, it's it's a perfect entry level for for people to buy fonts and with full commercial use as well. That they can they can do whatever they need with it. Yeah, very much so. And you know, don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem, like you say, with you know, you've got a premium product that's a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars or whatever, you know, and that's a complete suite of fonts, uh, you know, with all the weights and all the add-ons and and uh, uh, probably open type support and all the rest. That, that I don't have a problem with that. I and I don't really have a problem with people like Hoffler and Fleur, you know, charging a hundred dollars per face. But uh, some some of their faces. You know, some of these sort of designer faces, if you wanted to buy the complete set, you were going to spend a thousand dollars, which um, much as, you know, I appreciate the amount of work put into creating a typeface, uh, you know, a full family typeface. Uh, I don't think I've got a thousand dollars to spend on that sort of thing. And I think if I attempted to purchase such a thing, my boss would have me on the carpet. <laughs> Especially when you start looking into the licenses for websites and stuff like that, and it goes off the amount of impressions, then they they easily get into tens of thousands as well. Some of the families, yeah, precisely. It just it just becomes um, untenable. Anyway, uh, if anybody uh, has got anything else they want to ask Alex, we'll yeah. Uh... I'm, I'm, I'm so I've just been made unemployed, and just to sort of tide myself over, I've got um, but basically I've got an artist friend who does some design work now. I have to do things like place text and all that sort of stuff. And you said about the community. So just going, just touching on that a little bit, what sort you know, what are the sort of topics that you cover in your community? What can someone like me, who is a complete and utter design noob, and Simon will testify to this, you know, what, what could we expect from signing up um, to achieve and, you know, what can we get out of it? Well, we, we have a lot of, a lot of different like individual groups on Facebook where, where a lot of the community basically communicate. We have things from uh, a, a group which is called what font is this so someone's seen a, a really great poster or something like this which they like and they will post that image in the group and ask do you know what fonts is it and people are there helping each other say it's this typeface and then link into whatever website it is that sells it there's so many uh, font faces out there that most of them where, where the link to are either not for sale or they're on a different website we, we have no limitations of like it just has to be through us we, th- that's a community where everyone's helping themselves. Um, we, we have other things specifically for crafters where the, the communication and the topics are more about how to learn different things. So maybe someone's having an issue with some of their cutting machines of how do you do this or how do you do that? Then they, they'll help each other out. And, and one thing that we love to do is look through those communications and really try and help them. And also 
on our on our design school that we have, we'll look at what, what's popular this week or what people are struggling with, and then we'll make a, a tutorial which will help those things. So we then can then you know spread the word of like this this solution is for this problem. So a lot a lot of people have issues maybe you know we, we've cut in some of the of, you know, some of the items some of the svgs which are available on on some of the websites or, or through ours and we, we provide step-by-step guides and in some cases well videos of where they can just follow and every, once they complete all the steps they'll be able to you know solve it, any of the issues which which they haven't oh that sounds exactly sort of the the road i'm going going on because i sometimes feel like if i want a bit of help and i go for reddit and i say look you know i'm doing a very very small side business for myself i'm just trying to make a bit of pocket money change and all that i have that fear factor of you know the the reddit trolling or the the reddit brigade going oh you should be coming on there asking people for free help if you're a business and stuff like that but it really is it's just sort of like a, a bit of a hobby and a bit of a, a pastime for me so it's good to know that you can sort of jump in and i suppose in a way uh you know get some business help um without being scorned yeah definitely there's it's it's the same for for me when i was first learning through university is like learning how to code for instance you'd, you'd go online and you almost don't want to make a comment because if you say something stupid or maybe something that you haven't learned you're doing wrong people all jump on you know and, and attack you almost because they, they get some fun out of that and that's one thing that we, we like cut out straight away like if if anyone is doing that then they you know they'll be blocked or removed from the from the the groups so that we, we can have a nice a nice community feel where people you know can can feel free to say what whatever they like or ask whatever they need even even if maybe it's something very simple that they just overlooking yeah that sounds brilliant and that, again like i say it's because there is such a you have got like the people like you know that the, the bed the bedroom printers the bedroom designers and stuff like that and i know absolutely nothing i know how to load up Affinity Designer and place a few images and work with layers and levels. And I've got, I've got that thing where in my world, I can look at something, I can see it's not quite right, but I couldn't explain why. And uh, I've got one particular designer friend who just seems to have that knack of tidying things up and making it look good. And uh, to be honest, I hate him for it. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I when we're working on the website, for instance, and you can kind of see things that don't look right, and but I can't explain why. I'll just say, you know, I want this changing somehow, and then the designers uh, at our company go away and come back, and maybe it's just a little shadow or just some, you know, little bezel or something there, which just finishes everything off. And it's such a, it's such a talent that that these people have. It's really, really incredible to see, and it's one of the things that I love. Um, I, I love working with 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 such an awesome talented community because the as i'm not a designer myself but i I love to mess around and try and create things so by being able to use these products as well it it basically makes me look better than i am (laughs) simon has been there many many times to be going simon what's going on this it's like for example now i'm just uh trying to work on a I'm just trying to work on a mock-up uh, on a Sunday afternoon of all times. But that sounds fantastic. I, I will be signing up after the show. Very good. Thank you very much. Yep. Uh, well, thanks for that, Alex. And I think now what we will do is we will take a five-minute break uh, to get fresh coffee or, uh, you know, whatever. And uh, we'll let John Nemo open his hardware store and tell us about this week's product. Take it away, John. When you've got time on your hands and you want to do something endlessly creative with your hands, 
there is a new product called Blocks, B-L-O-C-K-S. The company is Specs, S-P-E-K-S. Their website is Get Specs, G-E-T-S-P-E-K-S dot com. Product is $30 in the U.S., and they have the pictures and all the descriptions of it on their website. When you first open it up, it looks sort of like a Rubik's Cube, that same sort of look. But you can pull the pieces apart in little L-shaped chunks, and then the pieces have magnets in several places, so that you can attach them to one another in an infinite variety of shapes and sizes and designs, and make little toys, make little figures, make all kinds of geometric shapes, and you will see some of this in the small booklet that they provide in the package and also on the website with lots of demos showing how it's done. They come in a bunch of different colors. We got the grayish ones to review, and that means there's 3H, dark gray, medium gray, and pale gray, so you can keep track of what's what. It takes a while to understand which ends are magnetized and which way you can go with them because some of the magnetization is actually reverse, so it repels it rather than attracts it. And I'm very pleased with my set. I am not naturally a fiddler or a Rubik's Cube sort of person. I'm not much of a puzzly sort of guy either. But the nice thing about these, you can just lay them on your desk or even put them in the pocket or your tote or your purse in the, in the little mesh bag that they provide. And you can have them with you anywhere. They don't take up much space, but they can certainly occupy your mind and your hands for a long time. They have a very nice tactile, very smooth feel. And if you drop them, you won't hurt them and you won't hurt your foot either. So they have a lot going for them. At $30 a pop, I think get several sets. They will definitely be the number one item that people get for their birthdays or holiday gifts. They will have never seen anything like it. At first, they're going to say, why would I want this? What the heck am I supposed to do with this? And then come back an hour and a half later, and they'll still be listening to their old Led Zeppelin records, playing around with their specs. Blocks by specs. That's it for Nemo's Hardware Store. Back soon. Thank you, John. And, of course, the links for that product are in the show notes and on the EssentialApple.com website. Uh, And before we go any further, I would just like to say that uh, we have now uh, joined Spotify, so you can find this uh, podcast on Spotify. Uh, I've started putting stuff on SoundCloud. Uh, I have a free account on SoundCloud, which means we'll only be able to have the latest two shows, but they will be available on SoundCloud. And we're also looking into putting stuff on to YouTube when I can make it work properly. Anyway. We have, we have actually got a super secret experimental YouTube channel that I was tinkering with a long, long time ago. So if you do go onto YouTube, you might find a review uh, that I sort of semi-started and then gave up halfway through because I didn't realize that editing takes quite a bit of time. And I kid you not, it took me so long to do this video. The product actually went out of stock at Amazon and it never came back in. <laughs> Well, I have uh, created a channel called Essential Apple Podcast, and at the moment, last week's show is available there. Um, And when I can get the workflow uh, 
smoother, I shall put more up. Anyway, there we go. Uh, right, we're going to move on now and have a look at some stories. And in the break, we have decided that we will start with Doug Field returns to Apple after leaving Tesla. Um, now, John Gruber, I think, broke this story. And then promptly, the minute he broke it, everybody else picked it up and um, ran with it. Most of them, I have to admit, uh, were honest enough to... Uh, quote John Gruber or Daring Fireball as the source, so that's fair enough. Um, and uh, John says, Here's some interesting hiring news I've heard through the birdie grapevine. Doug Field, who left Tesla in May after overseeing Model 3 production, has returned to Apple working in Bob Mansfield's Project Titan group. Uh, Apple spokesperson Tom Newmayer confirmed with me only that Field had returned to Apple, but no one should find it surprising that he is going to be working on Titan. So there we go. And uh, in the Slack room, I think Mac Jim asked me, is he a software man or a hardware man? He is a hardware man. He was uh, the VP of Mac Hardware Engineering, um, and he spent many years working very closely with Bob Mansfield. So uh, I think it's quite likely that he will be working closely with Bob Mansfield again. Um, what do we think about that then, boys? Wasn't this whole Project Titan thing cancelled and everyone was laid off not so long ago? I think there was a lot of rumours about that, but I don't think that that's uh, I don't think that's true. I think what they may have done is uh, oh, I don't have any inside information, obviously, but my impression was not that it was cancelled whatsoever, but that some people who were on the project were you know they weren't laid off they were just reassigned back to other other projects and uh, i suspect it may have been a case of you know we'll, we'll start here and we have a team who are doing that and then right they've done that and then apple have either decided we're going the wrong direction or we've done enough of that and we need to switch direction whatever and a different group of people were pulled into project titan i i don't know i mean i don't know what you think i think a, a, a project like project titan probably has to go through a whole bunch of different phases before all of the components can be then pulled back in together at the end to create whatever it is they're working on. Well, I've only got one sort of vague theory on this. If any of you gentlemen use CarPlay... Yes, I love it. Now, imagine that, but being way more tightly integrated. I've had a go on. I've, I managed to use uh, CarPlay myself. Uh, and the three and a half hour journey that I was doing at the time was great because I was just replying to people using Siri and Siri was you know, pretty much spot on uh, for three and a half hours. And I thought, oh, you know, that sounds a bit weird. But then because it's so simple, but it does what it needs to do and it does it really well, apart from the old crash. I can see sort of you know Apple heading into sort of the, the Tesla you know the Tesla remit because I've been in a Tesla. Oh, gentlemen, if you ever get the chance to go in a Tesla, do it. It's it's everything I thought it was going to be and more. Uh, it's just and he he uh, this champ didn't have the uh, the, the ludicrous mode. But we were going along. So where I live, it's like quite wind, you know, yeah, windy, 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 wind, winding, windy, winding, <laughs> winding roads. That's the word. And we were going along, and I'm sort of thinking, oh, this, this feels quite nice. And I looked at the speedo, and we were going flat and fast, and obviously within the, the remits of Her Majesty's um, Highways Police uh, speed limits. 
but it's just amazing. And then they had like this big iPad-y sort of console thing in the middle. And I'm looking at it and going, that's not bad. But if that was Apple, you could immediately charge more for that. And I'd buy it. I'm so tempted if I'm looking at what I can actually sell in my house to go and buy the new, uh, the new Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that. You might have to sell the house. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you might have to sell your house in order well, to buy a Tesla. Especially if you want a Model S, they're, they're incredibly expensive. I think they start over 100000 Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to be greedy. I just want a very basic entry-level one, and I'll be happy because I'll never have to pay for petrol ever again. <laughs> you can go find a Hot Wheels Tesla on eBay, probably. I got one from my uncle. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Yeah, if anyone does want to donate a Hot Wheel Tesla to me, get in touch. But oh, honestly, it's just, it's one of those things where I came out of it and I just went, this is just now spoil every single combustion engine car that I've ever driven. I've driven some nice cars. And this just sort of went, nope, don't want to be a fossil, uh, fossil fuel burner anymore. <laughs> there's, there's big similarities between Apple and Tesla, I think, yeah. In the way they make the products, as you say, it changes your whole experience of everything else. And I think it's the same for Apple with their computers. You know, they they give you something which is beyond what you what you used to. Like if you've if you've worked with other products, Apple just seems to make everything seamless and everything works well. And that that's what Tesla have brought to to cars. I think. Yeah, I sort of wished there was been a lot of stories recently about you know that everything's heading towards services for Apple's growth revenue and. I'm just wondering, you know, do they need a bit of an Elon Musk character there now? Do they need someone a bit crazy to try and do something a bit more risky? I mean, what, what's everyone think? Is Apple sort of gone a little bit sort of safely, safely, softly, softly, catchy monkey? Well, apart from the trash can map, do you think that they need that sort of Tesla-esque sort of presence? I think, I suspect, um, I, I, I hear what you're saying there, Mark, because sometimes they do feel a bit, stayed at the moment but apple being apple i suspect that they're more rather than you know shouting it out there that they're more wild and wacky uh projects are usually kept completely under wraps so, i mean you know this project type nobody really knows anything about it there's all rumors that it's this and it's that nobody knows no. Um, I mean, as John Gruber even says here, he says, you know, despite reports that the company has scaled back the project to merely make autom- autonomous systems, uh, that rumour never made any sense to me. Apple's modus operandi has always been to make a whole widget. You know, Apple makes products, not components. Um, yeah, they make the hardware as well. I, I agree. I think if they're going to, going to do something, they'll definitely want to make the car aspect, not just the, the autonomous driving. Although they could probably make a great system and be able to license it out to everything, like all the other makers. They never wanted to do that with their with their OS or anything else. So I think they will be looking at, even if it takes three or four more years, mm. they'll spend that time to make sure the hardware is their own. I mean, I, I mentioned, I think it was last week when I was talking to John uh, Martellaro, um, and as he said, you know, Apple can't really be ramping up to produce cars because you, it would be almost impossible to hide that scale of development. But I don't think that that's where they're at yet. I, I think that they're, whatever they're doing, you know, Apple or Apple, they don't do anything until they're pretty certain it's going to work. So I could actually for once imagine them, um, you know, or envisage them building um, a system, an autonomous car system. And maybe licensing that to uh, a few companies, you know, Mercedes, BMW, whatever. 
Yeah, and... but they're all entrenched with their own systems, though, aren't they? I mean, the for example, Apple CarPlay uh, was a hell of a faff because to sort of get CarPlay running, I had to go down and, uh, what was it, get the Peugeot app and then seek to this old head unit thing. Car, you know, car manufacturers really don't want to give up um, that sort of side of things. Now, if they were to go to someone like let's say Tata who make the, the world's cheapest car and say, right, we'll design it. We'll spec it out. All you've got to do is build it. That I could see happening, but I don't see the sort of integration or them taking over from anything like the BMW systems. No, that's possible. But I think, and this is purely my own wild imaginings, that if there is going to be an actual Apple car uh, designed by Johnny and, and Mark Newson, that will be the last step in you know in the along the road um i've said it before you know you you don't you don't get to something like a fully finished car you know the wright brothers didn't build a 747 um you you build up and then when you've got all the pieces and you know they all work then you know johnny and mark go to you know go to work in actually designing and building an apple car so I, I'm this thing that you know there are no leaks, there are no part leaks and whatnot. I, Apple, even what evidence there has been is that so far whatever Apple are doing, they are still currently fitting into bog standard production cars. Um, that doesn't mean that's where they're going to end up. That just means that why would you attempt to build and manufacture a whole car just to test your systems out? That's not how it goes, is it? You don't you don't do that. You you buy a Mini Cooper or something and mod that to run your system. So much easier for them to hide as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, I mentioned it before. And uh, you know, Apple do have a license in California for uh, I think a fleet of fifty-five autonomous type research vehicles. So who knows? Uh, I'm I'm and and yeah, Mark. I I see where you're saying, and that they don't appear to be doing some of the slightly more out there ideas but i suspect they are they just keep them under their hat which is why uh, sites like patently apple are sometimes interesting because they keep a, an eye on apple's patents which obviously don't prove anything but they obviously suggest things that apple has at least been tinkering with well that's been strangely quiet for the last sort of month or so admittedly i haven't been the the world's biggest follower of apple stuff just recently but there's been very little on that front as well um, no, there hasn't. But, you know, I, I think you have to be uh, even patently Apple point out that Apple even, don't even make that easy because they don't always send their patents to the same place. The patents turn up, you know, they might be in Germany or they might turn up in uh-huh. India or, yeah, they grab these patents. They don't necessarily just send them all to the US patents office. They they scatter them around the world so that uh, even for people like patently Apple, keeping track of what Apple are patenting isn't always, uh, you know, 100% simple. Quick, quick question for Donny. Donny, wh- when did you use CarPlay, and what was your uh, thought about it? I actually, I actually have CarPlay in my car right now, and um, I love it. Um, like you were talking about texting through iMessage, just using Siri, it works great for me. Um, I love being able to access my podcast app through the display on the screen um, without having to hold the phone and figure out what's going on on the phone. I just wish it could be wireless. I wish someone would make a wireless adapter so I don't have to plug my phone into the lightning adapter all the time when I get in the car and then pull it out. Um, I've had issues where 
the connection doesn't go to the car. And it turns out after searching the internet that the lightning port on the iPhone was just dirty. So I had to clean that out. And then um, once I did that, it worked great again. But if there, if someone would just make a wireless adapter, it would be awesome. Do you, have you turned off, um, so what was what it called now? Series verbose mode. Because it says you have a message from, gives you the name, gives you the message. Would you like to reply? And I made the mistake of going, yes. And then Siri goes, what would you like to say? And then I would sort of um, say what I was going to say, where I learned just as I was getting home and I had to give this hire car back, you could go reply with da 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 da, da like saying reply with, I'll be there in 10 minutes, put the kettle on. How would, what's your um, method of interaction with Siri? I know, I know it sounds very dull and boring, but it's interesting to me to try and stop the because she so, she tries to be a bit too talky, and I'm sort of liking the whole Amazon Echo thing of just being able to bark at Amazon Echo, and it doesn't try and be my friend. I've never had Siri actually say you have a new message. I've had it drop down on the display and show me I have a new message. I think I must have that mode turned off or never had it on. But and then I can, um, and then when it drops down, it says you have a new message from so and so. I think it says, do you want me to read it to you or something like that? And I can say read it or I can say reply. I don't, I, you know what? I don't know if it says anything. I don't think it does. Like actually talks to me. Have you got the setting turned off or um, what's it called? Semi response or something like that. I think I'm going to head towards it. I wish I'd sort of remembered that on the journey, but it's, it's really weird because you look at CarPlay and it is just basically a simple dumbed down interface for, for your iPhone. And you think, really, am I supposed to be impressed by this? But just the way it, 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 it's so hard to explain. It's not an essential. It's nothing overly brilliant, but it is in its own weird way. And I know I've just contradicted myself, but yes, if I have the chance to buy an external uh, CarPlay unit that doesn't break the bank, I'm certainly looking out for one. I, I would not get a car without CarPlay anymore. Oh, I'm with you on that. I am with you on that. I'm working on a, funnily enough, I'm working on a, a bit of a camper van conversion thing at the moment. And I'm thinking, could the budget stretch, I wonder? Right, then. Um, well, I'll tell you what. There's one in here uh, from the BBC, which was five big things that make Apple uh, that made Apple. Um, I don't know if you've looked at this one, boys. This was quite interesting, I felt. Um, from the BBC, obviously. Um BBC. Where, where are we in? Are we in the Quip document? Oh, yes, we're in the Quip. Yes. No, no Safari technology preview has just decided to crash <laughs> on me. Anybody want to buy a Mac Mini? If so, get in touch with the show. It's got two one terabyte hard drives in it. I think I need to go back to my iMac. Uh... <laughs> uh, right. Well, here we go. Uh, Apple has been called the most successful company in history and has just become the first company to make a trillion dollars. Um, this is uh, a suggestion of a quick look at five of the biggest things that helped make Apple the giant success story it is today. Um, I'm not sure if we all are going to agree with these, uh, um, but number one, Steve Jobs was a brand unto himself. I think we'll all agree with that one. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't really disagree with that one. Um, yeah, Apple wouldn't be Apple without Steve Jobs. Um, and number two, the iPhone, a revolution. Also, of course, true, I think, very much. Uh, and number three, Apple services and brand loyalty. I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with that one. But then again, Apple do seem to be making a lot of money out of their services. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong. The brand I think the brand loyalty, definitely, yeah. And, and people purchase products, say, for instance, the, the, the iPhone. 
it's it unlocks a lot of other things that, that you want because it has the features of being able to work seamlessly with with the IMAX or the well any of the the Macintosh range and also like the the watch that, that you can now get they, they market the watch but then to have a watch you require basically an iPhone and it kind of they all upsell each other so yes. once you get into that in like ecosystem and and you they make a brilliant products so you want more and soon you end up with three or four devices and rather than spending 300 pounds on on or 400 pounds on, on the iWatch you've actually spent you know 2000 pounds on all these products and they, they've really <laughs> you've really got your you locks in 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 a way that it really does help you uh, and it's very easy to use but they're, they they really you know keep their customers very loyal in that way that is that is true i guess i mean i've been a you know a mac user now since the oh uh late 80s and uh although i've had other machines uh yeah uh, <laughs> you'd have to pry my mac out of my cold dead hands i suppose and uh i always hated this is true i always hated mobile phones i detested them and uh, you know i either never had credit or they weren't charged or i left them behind or whatever and when that iphone came out my wife said i'm going to buy you an iphone because if i buy you an iphone on contract at o2 i know that because it's apple it will never leave your side um and never a truer word was spoken to be honest (laughs) my uh you know since the day i had an iphone i think it's glued to me so yeah, I guess that yeah, brand loyalty. I, I'm not so sure about the services part, but um, I don't know. Just I, I guess I do use quite a lot of the services. So um, suppose if you start to think about it, I'm not a, I'm not an Apple Music subscriber, but obviously I use the app stores. Uh, I use the iCloud. Um, I would use Apple Pay if my bank actually got into the 21st century and approved uh, Apple Pay. Um, yeah. So there we go. Anyway, it's a, it's a good read. It's a good read, that, from the BBC, um, and worth a look. I just find it interesting the Mac wasn't mentioned in there. Yes. Without the Mac, there wouldn't be any of that, interesting. except for Steve Jobs. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, they don't mention the Mac, do they? They talk mostly about the iPhone. But uh, then again, I suppose the iPhone is Apple's biggest product by a, a long way, and that's the and that's the thing that took them to a large extent. The thing that took them to a trillion dollar market cap. Then again, I don't think a trillion dollar market cap's actually worked very much because it's just calculated on shares, and shares go up and shares go down. <laughs> and they also they, they've been going up a lot because Apple have been buying back their own shares. It's, oh yeah. yeah, this isn't all to do with their success in recent years. If if they haven't been buying back their shares with the huge amount of money that they've they've got stashed away in various places, uh, it'll be interesting to see what difference it would have made to the the stock value. Would, would it have hit a trillion dollars if if they weren't buying back the the shares? And you know, basically, it's giving them out to, to the the current um, the current shareholders by removing them from the mm. the the number which are available. Yeah, that is also true. Um, right, there's another one here which. Uh, is really uh, more of something to read rather than to discuss. Um, Inside the reality distortion field, an early Apple employee told us what it was like having Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak as his bosses. And this is on uh, Business Insider. The links are in the show notes, of course. Um, It's a good read. It's, uh, you know, it talks about um, Apple, uh, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak in the fairly early days. Um got a few revelations in there like Steve Wozniak was prone to uh, hiding behind the cubicles when he heard somebody call his name and he wasn't particularly interested in getting involved <laughs> what me no I'm not here um yeah 
it, that's an interesting read, uh, as, as you might expect. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, this week in Apple News, Apple Music has now delivered a friend mixes for all the music your friends are listening to. Um, actually, Carl Madden was talking about this on the uh, Mac and Forth show. As I don't use Apple Music. Uh, I don't either. No, I'm not. Well, they've just gone in giving a, a free trial away again, haven't they? Because have I've they? been waiting and waiting and waiting for it. And uh, I, I think it's still around now. But for a while on my phone, it's saying, oh, you know, come and have a free month on us. And I was like thinking, I'm kind of tempted. Especially you now that with Spotify it seems to have gone a bit crazy. I don't know if this is something new. I don't know if I'm just showing how old I am. But it's uh, so I'm out and about, uh, and I'll be listening to that their radio, and I'll tag, you know, I'll say, "Hey Siri, you know, what song is this?" Sorry, oh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> oh God, my phone is going bonkers now. No, stop. Well, at least you, at least when you say it, your phone actually responds. Mine just completely blanks me. Yeah, uh, I, I get that in the car. It's uh, it, there's like a face-off between my watch and my phone to see if anyone's going to reply, and I just get really testy with it. Um, but the Spotify is doing something really weird. So I tank stuff off the radio and then so I'm thinking, right, I've got a playlist in my head. I know what I want to listen to. And then Spotify goes, oh, we've also added this to your mix. It's like, no, get stuffed. I don't want to discover anything at the moment. I'm quite happy listening to what I've chosen. But th- that's just me being old. <laughs> well, I think that's just part of their business model, isn't it? Constantly, you know, shoving new stuff at you, whether you want it or not. Well, it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a go. I mean, does anyone here use Apple Music or have they tried it? And was there, yeah, was there any reason why you didn't keep with it? Were you already entrenched? Yeah, I don't listen to that much music. <laughs> I don't use it at all. No. I, I tried it when it first was released, but I found Spotify just always give a better experience. Um, it, it was much better, and especially on the computer. With, with, with iTunes, I, th- there was something not quite right there. It was, just, it was slower than Spotify as well, I felt. Um, with finding, you know, the music that you wanted to listen to. So after the, the I think it was a three-month trial, which they, they first gave. Yeah, when it, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, out, a 90-day trial. I, yeah, I, canc- I cancelled it, and I've always st- stuck with Spotify, and been very happy with that, with that actually. Um, and also, in in, in my house, I, I have a lot of the Amazon Echoes, so Spotify works perfectly with, with them. I'm not sure how, how Apple Music would. I, I guess not quite as well. Um, so it, it's... It's a few things that I've stuck with Spotify really for. Yeah, I mean, I I had the ninety day free trial, and I think I opened it twice. Um, and that's not to say there was anything wrong with it, or you know, is anything wrong with it, or or isn't. Um, it's simply that I, the amount of time that I have free for that sort of thing. If I'm going to listen to some music, I usually want to listen to something from my own collection. If if I'm you know, if I'm driving or whatever, I, d- I don't drive great distances, so I'd rather just put the radio on and get a, you know, random selection of stuff for a half an hour. Um, oh, I'm the same. My, my favourite radio station is Radio Caroline, uh, which you can get online, on digital and on FM. I'm available for voiceover work if anyone wants a really dodgy sounding English guy. <laughs> I've mentioned I've just been made redundant. Uh, but the good thing about this particular radio station is that it plays, you know, it's, um, it's an album. Uh, radio station so don't just like play you know um if you name a if you're going to play stuff like the eagles they don't just play hotel california you get all the other good stuff and things like that so that's one worth checking out i'll, I'll bang that in the show notes and the best show to catch is on a saturday afternoon between 12 and 3 with peter anthony uh because he's responsible for every weekend going 
oh, right, there's another 79p spent. There's another 79p spent. <laughs> but at least I'm getting my money's worth because I refuse to buy a song that isn't... It's, if it's less than four minutes, I won't buy it. Um, right, and the other one here. Uh, new Siri shortcut beta introduces limited HomeKit integration, I'm told. Um, this one was on Apple Insider, but I've seen it several other places. Uh, obviously, because people have been you know, waiting for this, haven't they? People have been waiting for um, the home kit integration to uh, become more fully fledged, uh, particularly with, with the Siri shortcuts. So um, I don't know. I guess that's good if you're into that sort of thing. Um, uh, I am uh, an internet of troublesome things refuse, Nick. And I have I no truck with it. I've beta thing in. I've only sort of... Um... It, it, my mind got refreshed about it this morning because it came up in uh, Apple News type thing. Uh, I want to give it a go. I, I would love to see what sort of shortcuts uh, I could create, but then that would rely on me being creative, and that's where I fail. <laughs> well, there we go. Um, I think this one so far has only made it to the, de- the developers, but I'm pretty sure if, it, if it's out to developers, within probably within a week it will be uh, available for public beta. So there you go, Mark. If you're interested in that, you can... Uh, get the public beta soon enough, I'm sure. Um, as I say, means nothing to me. I have no smart devices and I um, am a bit of a stick in the mud and I am not keen on Internet of Troublesome Things devices anyway. There we are. Um, right, Alex, anything else in the list catch your fancy, uh, fancy here? Uh, well, the, the one about the MacBook... Oh, yes. It's, it's one area that, that we actually mentioned in the BBC article. Like, the Mac was not even mentioned in it. And it, I think that, that almost emphasizes how much of Apple's focus has gone away from their line of computers. And I really wish they would do something quite big uh, that, you know, one of these years. It, it almost seems to be an, an area where they've just left it and just trying to do small, little upgrades every year. I as I, I love I love my MacBook that, that I always use. And their, their line of computers... As you know, using them almost daily, I I wish they would try and improve them a bit because everything's going towards mobile now. But there's still so many professionals out there who who rely on you know a bigger screen and everything that a computer can do for you for for you. So I I, w- I wish they would bring some really big updates because the last big update I feel was the 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 trash can Mac as was mentioned before. But since then they they haven't introduced anything new. No, and only the only you know the like other than the the sort of touch bar uh, MacBook Pros, which recently got uh, refreshed, which is a, a, what we're talking about here, which is a first impressions after nearly a month with the 2018 13-inch MacBook Pro uh, on nine nine to five Mac. Um, there's the there's the iMac Pro, of course, but um, nice as that is, um, that felt to me a bit of a stopgap. Um, and for those who are old enough to remember it, it, it reminds me, and I've said this before, it reminds me in some ways of the Apple II FX, which was at the time the most expensive you know, Mac ever produced. It was also the most powerful, but it was an evolutionary dead end because to, to screw the sort of power out of it that they did, they done a whole load of um, things to the FX. It used different RAM from everything else. It used a different bus, you know, they it was basically a super hot-rodded Mac. So it, it was, when it was launched, you know, the most powerful Mac available, but um, it was an evolutionary dead end because it had been hacked and, and thing. And I, I get a, a nasty feeling that the iMac Pro might be similar. Um, there we are. 
Uh, this is yes, this is a review of uh, switching from a 12-inch MacBook to a 13-inch MacBook Pro. Um, quite uh, you know, quite a long article. Um, what was what was the main takeaway from that article? What do we, you know? What was the end result of it? Did they sort of say um, much about it, or because you are right, it's like it, it's almost like the, the Mac is being kept around a bit reluctantly. I think they they, they betted big on the iPad, and I've just literally been able to play with an iPad Pro for a few weeks, uh, and I'm getting quite a lot done with it now, uh, especially with iOS 12 just tweaking things up. Then you just sort of like look at the well, I mean, everyone's saying this, is it? You just look at the, uh, the iMac and you think, it just seems to have got stuck. It need, it needed to have, about a year or two ago, it, they just need, Apple just needed to give in and say, right, can we smash a decent graphics card in this and just get it over and done with? Now, I know Apple probably won't. They are starting to look to do that now, especially what with external things. But I don't know. It's just something that just doesn't feel right. It's like, why do I have to? Is it an admission of Apple to say, we can't do graphics cards. We can't put them in. But what we can do is help you spend. Well, if you want to get a good graphics card now on a decent Mac, you're spending, what, £500 by the time you get the external box and the graphics card? It's just, oh, you're right. They just need to do something. And hopefully... We'll get that uh, when it, well, what do we think? Let's have an early WWDC prediction. Do we think we're going to get a nice map that's going to make us go, Ooh, mm, do I the children need to eat this week? There's a lot of, there's a lot of rumors flying around. I mean, I, uh, as you asked, what did they make of this? Is the 2018 MacBook Pro perfect? Absolutely not. Like I said, I'm waiting eagerly for Apple to address lingering battery life concerns. I don't know what he's on about there. As far as I'm aware, the battery lives are amazing. Uh, touch bar usability is still lacking. Um, I, I don't think many that many people are completely convinced by this touch bar thing. Um, ultimately, this year marks several important steps forward for the MacBook Pro, hopefully a sign of things to come. So overall, I think it's a positive review. Um, it's quite long, so I won't delve too deeply in it. Um, the iMac, I mean, the, the you know, the iMac Pro, as I say, is lovely, but I sort of super hot rod. The iMac itself, um, well, obviously, I've, I've got the, uh, what was it, the 2017, 27-inch um, iMac at work. That's a really nice machine. Um, well, what's, what is, I mean, what, well, it's a conversation we have all the time, isn't it, about what kit is it that we use? I mean, Doddy, what's your sort of oldest bit of, sorry, your current runner that you're using at the moment? I have a um, 2011 iMac right now, and um, start, I'm starting to push the limits of it, but I, I don't need that much of a machine anymore because I do everything on the iPad Pro. So I'm just hoping they release a Mac Mini because basically my iMac is used for right now what we're doing, podcasting. Um, I use it to make my sticker apps because I need Xcode. I use it to upload books to the iBook store because I can't do that on the iPad either. And I use it for photos. But most of my artwork, I do all that stuff, heavy duty stuff on the iPad Pro right now. So I don't want to spend iMac type of money, but I also don't want to buy a mini right now because... Yeah, the mini at the moment is <laughs> the, the mini at the moment is a, a, you know a shocking disgrace, and um, it, it needs to either be axed or you know properly brought up to date or replaced completely. Um, I would love to see a mini the size of an Apple TV. Uh, yes, either that Ooh, or um, that's interesting. Well, there's no reason for it not to be now, is it? Because it doesn't right. have an optical drive. There's no need for it not. You know, there's no reason for it not 
to be as small as an Apple TV. Um, I I know a, a new Mac Pro is supposed to be coming, um, but I think even that they've said it's not until next year. Um, the laptops, I don't think we're going to see uh, a huge amount. Probably a refresh on the um, you know on the MacBook line. I I would really like to see Apple bring out something um, really quite different. I the all-in-one iMac is lovely. Um, and I'm not one for, uh, you know, form factor changes for the sake of form factor changes. In fact, it's been refined fabulously, except for the fact that they insisted on making it thinner and thinner to the point that now the bloody ports are in a nearly impossible to get to place on the back. Um, I, I, yeah, I would probably like to see some sort of redesign of the iMac. Um, still as an all-in-one. I, I don't know where you'd go with it, but, uh. Then again, I don't get paid as much as Johnny does. Um. But what, what about Alex? What would you, you've been? What what would you've you you obviously do a lot of work with designers. What what is it that you're hearing from sort of your perspective and in the work you do? Do you do you have any sort of like finger on your pulse of what people are really crying out for? Not not so much. Uh, it's quite it's quite split um, these days between what people are using. It, there's almost like this transition going on. A lot of people are starting to use the iPads as as I mentioned, like so, so many things can be done now on an iPad that people really starting to move over to it. And I believe that Adobe are actually going to be making a full version of their Photoshop soon yep. for, next, iMac, uh, for, for the iPad, if it's not even, you know, already in beta. So those changes, if they can do it right with the right UI and also just as powerful to tools as you can have now, I think people are going to start moving towards that because then they can move it from a desk and go anywhere personally i i love the desktop i just feel like i use two monitors so i've got much more screen real estate uh, and i can't get away from that keyboard and and mouse it's just so much quicker and easier to do yeah maybe that's because i'm more a coder rather than designer and designers want to touch feel you know and and do a lot more things with with the fingers so, so they can really interact with whatever they're making um, so, so maybe that's a difference there. But yeah, we, we seem to be on this transition between moving from the desktop to, to a mobile device. And I'm not quite yet on that on that bandwagon because I'd, I would love to see them really put out some new device that's um, th- that's made for the for the home and for the desktop, which is a lot more powerful than, than they have now. The, the iMac Pro was a good upgrade in terms of specs, but the price is so much higher. It, I think it starts around... Three and a half thousand, four thousand pounds. Yeah, something which... like that, doesn't it? And that's a big jump. I mean, that's sort of twice the price that I paid for my twenty-seven inch iMac. Exactly. So the the price there is just not not really accessible for for many people at all. So I, I'd I'd like them to focus on that and try and try and bring it down a a touch. I think one of the things that Apple have really hurt themselves on with with the iMac range is their insistency to make the beautiful form factor that it is. It's so tightly packed that it's almost impossible to get a huge, you know, nice graphics card in there. And and that's been one of the limiting factors for what they can do, which is why they now have external ones, if you will. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I would like them to introduce some new new changes to the iMac. That's of, of the whole line, that's what I like the best. I use my MacBook Pro all the time as well. Uh, and and mine's I think it's from mid 2014. So it's lasted a long time without really needing you know any upgrades or anything like that it's it's worked perfectly 
Yeah. So, you know, you do, we, you know, we do screw a lot of usage out of our machines. We do. I mean, my, my current, uh, personal MacBook Pro is, uh, uh, 2012, uh, mid or late 2012. Um, so I've had a reprieve in that it will, it will, uh, get the, uh, Mojave update, um, which will give me at least a year, maybe, uh, maybe more, um, of, of use before I am forced into the position that I can't run the latest uh, OS. Um, but I, I, I am, I am like, uh, I'm like you, Alex. I would like to see um, something done with the iMac. Um, I'm not quite sure what. And like you, I use two screens, um, you know, because what I do, design for print, I need a big, you know, I need a big screen estate. Uh, if you're familiar with products like uh, most of the Adobe products, you know, there are zillions of palettes. And um, yep. so normally what I do is I have all my palettes on, on the right-hand screen and, you know, work on the left-hand screen. Um, and once you do that, going back is... Um, it's horrible. Yeah, horrible. It, moving <laughs> to, to any any smaller screen, it's just impossible. You're used to that workflow of, you know, doing one thing on one screen and then the the rest on the other. Uh, for, for my coding, for instance, I have all the code on the, on the left screen and on the right screen. When I'm making websites changes, I can see it instantly. Um, so I can just switch between the two. And we, without that, I it's it's a struggle. What, one thing about the, the Mac range, which I feel is the Mac Pro, which which they have currently, is really made just for video editors. The, nobody else really needs that power. And I think the iMac Pro, again, was similar just to cater for them. But I wish they would open it up a bit more, where where people, normal designers who are working with Photoshop or any of the applications like that, yes, they need a lot of RAM, but it's it doesn't need the biggest GPU in the world. So they, I, I would like some middle ground of where it's a decent power, but they can reduce the cost yeah. and maybe bring it to yeah, a, 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 much we, more reasonable. You know, we need more mid-range machines, I think, is the... You know, uh, uh, Apple are never going to produce a budget Mac per se, but, you know, can we have something between sort of uh, here's a basic Mac and, you know, here's one that you're going to have to sell your kidneys to buy. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been trying to work on my Hackintosh project and that's failed miserably, but I think that's only failed because I'm trying to use like components that basically just aren't compatible. I, I'm pretty confident now. If I had the money, and if anyone out there wants to sponsor a bit of a show doing it, I reckon I could go out in a day and buy all the bits I need, and I could have a Hackintosh running pretty much within a day, and it would completely annihilate uh, everything you know that I've got here, including my 2011 uh, iMac, which has got a Duff Network port, but I still use it because... It's just, it all comes down to that horrible, horrible thing. It's just such a nice experience. And I've tried to stick with Windows 10. I've used the um, Surface Pro, didn't like it, just wasn't for me. But yes, if Apple could just, if they sort of did make that omission with the Mac, with the trash can Mac, didn't they? To say they, they had painted themselves into a corner. And I wonder if this year after year obsession with getting thinner and thinner, they sort of, I think, I understand why they did it. And I sort of think that maybe. Just maybe they were hoping that the world would catch up with them. You know, they have this idea of where they want to go and the technology would become there. But as we're finding out, uh, that just really hasn't happened. Uh, I mean, my my beef with making the desktop thinner and thinner, you know, the laptops, I can understand. 
And there are still plenty of people like me out there who are saying, you know, I don't have to have the thinnest and lightest laptop in in the in the world. Apple have now got a range of laptops. There is no option. They're all super thin and super light. You know, could we not have a, a, a range of machines that are maybe a bit thicker and heavier, um, but maybe, it's, you know, either for more battery life or, um, you know, for a lower cost or, you know, for the more ports or whatever. I don't know. Um, and, the, you know, a desktop does not need to be razor thin, does it? You do not have to roll everything out flat to stick behind the back of the screen. It's on your desk, right? It's always going to be the depth of the stand at the very least. So there you go. That's just my that's my feeling about it. I didn't feel that they needed to squash it down so flat that you get yourself into a situation where, you know, the damn thing's almost irreparable. Um, there we are. Uh, right. Well, we've been going quite a long time. So uh, what else have we got? Um. I think a lot of this stuff we can probably skip over, to be honest. Uh, technology, a new robot Kickstarter by Anki is uh, powered by Qualcomm. That's from Forbes. Uh, they've, they're uh, touting a robot called Vector. Um, you've probably seen it all over the web, but it's a Kickstarter. It's not actually a real product yet. Um, oh, this one. I did want to bring this one up. Uh, researchers at Binghampton University have developed a paper battery which is entirely biodegradable. Um, I think it might have been Mac Jim pointed me to this one. Uh, this is this one is on Tech Explore. Um, very interesting. We like we like stories like this. Um, Just imagine how thin the phones and laptops will be if Apple got a hold of these paper batteries. Yeah, the batteries of the future may be made from paper. Researchers at Binghamton University, State, uh, New York, have created a biodegradable paper-based battery more efficient than previously possible. For years, there's been excitement in the scientific community about the possibility of paper-based batteries as an eco-friendly alternative. Um, Proposed designs were never quite powerful enough, and it was questionable if they were genuinely biodegradable. Um, Okay, Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Okay, they were able to make a self-sustaining bio-battery. There is a dramatic increase in electronic waste, and this may be an excellent way to start reducing that. Okay, uh, okay. this biobattery is a hybrid of paper and engineered polymers, uh, which give it biodegradable pa- uh, properties. Uh, we tested the degradation of the battery in water, and it clearly biodegraded without the requirements of special facilities, conditions, or other microorganisms. Uh, okay. Oh, we're still waiting for these graphene batteries that were supposed to come along. Oh, well, there's um, always, I tell you, mate, five to ten years. Everything's always five to ten years. Forever. It's like tomorrow. It never quite gets here. Did you not know (laughs) that? Where's my flying car? Five to ten years out, mate. (laughs) Um, Power enhancement can be potentially achieved by simply folding or stacking the hybrid flexible paper polymer devices. So, um, there we go. Obviously, it's a research project. But that could be something that might, uh, you know, might be coming somewhere in the future. I, I like things like that. That's good. I like that. That's what we want. We need more things like that. Thank you. Um, and we're pretty much there. Uh, just a snippet was the Gemini PDA review, the Scion Series 5 Reborn. Uh, I, I read that review and uh, at 500 quid, yeah, you can keep it, mate. Sorry. Got <laughs> it's an Android based thing that looks like a, the old Scion Series 5. Um, and it's 500 quid. Well, sorry, I'd rather buy a iPad. Um, right. Uh, 
pretty much everything worth talking about, I think. Um, the worth of chirps. Uh, Mac Jim has sent in the Mofi Power Station Plus 10,000 Universal Battery with Lightning Connector, uh, which is available on the Apple Store. Uh, no idea on the price. If, let me have a look. How much is it? It's probably going to be a lot of money. <laughs> Come on then, Apple. Ninety pounds. Oh, that's, that's actually not that bad, is it? For um. Not anything from Apple, really. No, no, it's a, it's it's Mophie. It's a Mophie power pack. Um, yeah, ninety pounds. Well, it's a yeah for a ten thousand. Uh, ten thousand. That's pretty good. So yeah, all right. Oh, you know, and Mophie make good stuff. I I can't um I can't deny that. Um, and he also gave us a SanDisk Extreme Portable SSD fast enough for 4K workflows, uh, which he found on the 9to5Mac. Um, there you go. If you want a super fast uh, external portable SSD, um, various storage capacities, up to two terabytes of storage, blah, 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 blah. Um, not sure if they've got a price. Uh, prices range from a hundred dollars for a two hundred and fifty gig up to five hundred, just over five hundred for the top end. So here we are. Um, that doesn't seem that doesn't seem that bad, I'll admit. Um, and last of all, um, I have a worth the chirp essential tip, and that is there's an easy trick to locate your lost AirPods. Uh, this was on Business Insider, and that is, of course, if you don't know, if you've mislaid one of your AirPods, you can actually use uh, Find My iPhone to make it go beep. Oh, uh, I'll be using that one because I'm always losing mine. Right. If you, you dropped it in there, if it's gone down the back of the sofa, you can, um, as it say, if you lose your AirPods outside of the case, it is possible to track them down using Find My iPhone. Uh, the service works for all Apple devices, not just your iPhone. What about um, if they're in the case? I actually uh, just lost my case yesterday. No, it doesn't work. No, I'm afraid they uh, when they're in the charging case, it doesn't work. Uh, and I don't think you can track the case. So you're out of luck there, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but if you should mislay, I'm not sure it would work if you dropped it somewhere in the street. But if you've mislaid it in your house and it's down the back of the sofa, you can make it go beep. It do help you locate it. So there you go. That's a top tip, apparently. Um, there we are. I think that will do us for this week, boys. Um, so, Alex, uh, first of all, would you like to, uh, you know, promote your wares? Yeah, well, if, if anyone's a designer out there, whether you're selling products or you, you use, it, like, design products on, on a regular basis, definitely please check out our font bundles or designbundles.net and have a look at all the products offerings that we have there. We, we'd be more than happy to speak to you if you're a designer and want to open a store as well. In the first part of the show, we, we explained... How, how you can do that. If not, simply go down to the emailers section on the website and we'd be more than happy to help you. Okay. And uh, you, you mentioned you've got a load of Facebook, um, you know, groups. How, how would uh, somebody go about finding those? Yeah, if you search font bundles or design bundles on, on Facebook, you'll come to our main pages. And then on the pages, you'll be able to see our groups as well. They're all interlinked. So you, you can find which area you're, you're interested in, whether that's fonts or whether that's maybe being a crafter or, or what it, whatever it is that is your topic. You can go to those groups and, and apply to join and become part of the community there. Lovely. That's fantastic. Um, right. Uh, Mark? Uh, yeah, well, I'm a little bit on the Strava uh, these days. You can find me there at Ocean Speeders on the Twitter as well. So, yeah, and keep an eye on me on Essential Apple because now I'm in the land of the unemployed. I might try and uh, get back into doing a few more reviews and stuff like that, which the whole work 
life thing has been able to let me do. So, yep, keeping on the Facebook, keeping an eye on Essential uh, Apple, and you get hold of me at Ocean Speed on the Twitter. All right. And uh, Donny? Um, I've got a bunch of children's books in the iBook store and a bunch of iMessage sticker packs in the App Store. Just search for my name. Um, they'll come up. I have a couple new um, iMessage, iMessage stickers sets out, and I now have a store at designbundles.net, which I've been filling as we've been talking. Fantastic. Uh, I uh, can be found, of course, on Twitter, where I am at Serenac. The show is at Essential Apple. Uh, the, the website is, of course, EssentialApple.com. As I mentioned, we uh, are now on Spotify and SoundCloud and hopefully, hopefully uh, YouTube. And, uh, of course, if you want to join in the chatter in the Slack room, just look in the show notes or on the website and follow the link. So, uh, after all that, I think it's time we just said goodbye. So, uh, thank you very much for coming on, everybody, and uh, goodbye. See ya. Cheerio. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast, and I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show, uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com Take a look at the available podcast and take a listen. Five, four, three, two, one. And we are go. Go? Wait. Go where? The commercial, Guy. We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next. Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.